Just like one is not allowed to build a house or a building, which is a permanent structure, he is also not allowed to build a temporary structure. Our mission is going to bring a argument between Rebeliezer and the Chachomim regarding adding something on to an already existent structure. Now in those days, most of the windows weren't real windows like we have nowadays. Rather, there was a space in the wall, and at night, when they weren't using the windows, they would cover it with a big board. So Pekach this board, which was made to cover over the window, Rebeliezer says, Bismanshu Koshro Vesoloi in a time, in a situation in which this board is tied to the wall, it's tied to that structure already, and it's hanging, meaning it's not actually touching the ground even. It's hanging from a rope in the air. In that situation, then by you can close off the window using this board. However, Vimalav, if not, meaning either if it's not tied at all, rather the board is just rested on the ground when it's not being used to shut the window, or if it is tied, but the rope is long so it actually reaches the ground. In either of these two scenarios, when you pick up the board to put it back on the window, it looks as if you are adding on to this structure. It doesn't look like a window which is prepared for use and already attached to this structure. Rather, it looks like you're bringing a board and you're attaching it to this structure. And therefore, in that scenario, you would not be able to close off the window using this board. Now, the Chachom argue, the Chachom say, whether in this situation or in this situation, meaning whether the board is resting on the ground or it is in the air, you can close off the window using it, because according to the Chachomim, one is only not allowed to add something permanently to a structure. But if it's something like a window, which by its very nature is temporary, because you're constantly opening it and closing it, or in this case, taking the board off and putting it back on, so you're not adding it permanently to the structure, and therefore it is not considered to be a tolder of building, and so it is permitted to do so on Shabbos. The mission is going to bring another case where one is not allowed to do something because it appears as if he is violating the malacha of Bainer, building. Now, the halacha is that a lid of a movable kli, for example, the lid of a box or the lid of a pot, it's considered to be a kli, just like we saw earlier on at the beginning of the peric, that the doors of these movable items have the same status as the items themselves. They are also considered to be kalim. So, too, the lids of movable items are considered to be kalim, and this is true whether the lid has a handle or not. Any lid is considered useful and it's moved about, and so it is considered to be a kli. And when it comes to a lid which is on the ground, for example if there is a pit of water in the ground and there's a lid covering it, so often lids which were on the ground were actually properly stuck to the ground, because they would be there for a very long time, possibly even permanently, and so people would literally stick the lids onto the ground. Now, if the lid was stuck to the ground, then certainly it would be forbidden to take that lid off the ground on Shabbos. That would be a told of suicer, of demolishing something, taking away part of a structure. And of course, you wouldn't be able to put that lid there and stick it to the ground, because that would be like boiner, like building. Midrabonon, even if you're not sticking it to the ground, you're just using it as a regular lid, you're still not allowed to put it there, and you wouldn't be allowed to take it off either because it appears as if you are putting it there to stick. Now, if this lid has a handle on it, then you are showing clearly that you don't intend, and you are not sticking it there permanently. You're literally using it as a regular lid. So if it has a handle, then it will be permitted. The discussion now, Mishnah, is a middle case. A lid for a object, 
It's not a lid for the ground itself. It's a lid for an object. However, this object is stuck to the ground. For example, you have a big container which is stuck to the ground, and you put a lid on it. According to the Tanakama, even though over here the lid is not a lid of the ground itself, and therefore it is very clear that it's a regular lid which is not stuck to the item. It's not stuck to the ground or anything. You're using it as a regular lid, putting it on, taking it off, as it pleases you. Nevertheless, if it does not have a handle, according to the Tanakama, it is forbidden to put that lid on or take it off, in case you come to doing the same on the ground itself, such as with a pit. And therefore, only kolakisoya kalim, lids of utensils which are attached to the ground, sheyeshlem beisachiza, only lids which have a handle on netolim shabbos can be taken on Shabbos. But if it doesn't have a handle, then it cannot. However, on Rabbi Yaisi, Rabbi Yaisi argues and he says, When in these words said, With lids of the ground itself, such as a lid on a pit of water. But with lids of utensils, even if the utensils are stuck to the ground, whether this or whether that, meaning whether it has a handle or even if it does not have a handle, those lids can be taken on Shabbos and used and moved since this will not necessarily lead you to doing the same with lids on the actual ground. One of the prohibitions which apply on Shabbos is that one is not allowed to do activities which come under the category of Uvdin Dechol. Uvdin Dechol literally means something which one does on a weekday, and the main type of Uvdin Dechol is anything which one would do on Shabbos, which goes against the spirit of Shabbos, it doesn't allow you to rest, for example, to carry lots of very heavy things. That would be Medrabonon forbidden. However, we're going to see in this Perek that there are a number of exceptions for that rule, the first of which is for the sake of a mitzvah. So although in general one is not allowed to carry heavy things on Shabbos, and you wouldn't be able to clear out a room of heavy things, for example, if it's for the sake of a mitzvah, then one can clear out even four or five boxes of straw and produce. And the way we're going to understand the Mishnah is that four or five is not a literal number. It's not saying that you can only take four or five. Rather, it means you can take lots of boxes, and even though it will be a hard work, and it's sort of not resting on Shabbos, nevertheless, the Rabbonon did not include in their decree this situation. If you are doing it because of guests, for example, if you need space in order to fulfill the mitzvah of of having guests in your house who don't have anywhere to go, or to stop the Beis HaMedrash being stopped, literally, meaning to make sure there's space for people to learn, you can clear a room of these heavy items. However, says the Mishnah, even in a case of a mitzvah, one is not allowed to clear the entire space, an entire storehouse, or whatever is in the room. The point is, you cannot clear the entire room, and this is for a different reason, because in those days, the floors of the houses were like the ground itself, and so there were lots of holes in the floors in different places, just like there is on the ground. Small holes... And if you start clearing the entire room and are moving about boxes on the floor, then it's likely that you will come to fill in the holes of the ground. You're moving about the earth, and to fill in the holes of the ground is a tolda of plowing. And therefore, even if you're doing it for the sake of a mitzvah, since there is a danger of you violating a midoraisa malacha, a Torah prohibition, it would be forbidden. Now, the second exception to the rule of Uvdin Dechol, or at least this specific example of Uvdin Dechol, where you are carrying heavy things, is for the sake of food. However, that food has to be food which one can eat. Now, what happens if it's food which only certain people are allowed to eat? 
For example, truma. Only Kohanim are allowed to eat truma, which is the gift which a farmer gives to a Kohen. And the Mishnah tells us that Mufanim truma tohira. One is allowed to clear a room of tohar truma, truma which is pure, even if you yourself are not a Kohen. Because since this can be eaten by a Kohen, there's not now going to be different halachas for Shabbos between a Kohen and a Yisrael. This is edible food and you could give it to a Kohen, and therefore even a Yisrael is allowed to move it on Shabbos. Now if the truma was Tomei, then it's an obligation to burn it, it can no longer be eaten and therefore you would not be able to carry it on Shabbos. Even if it's not heavy, you can't even move it, because it is mukta, since it's not fitting to be eaten, so you cannot use it on Shabbos. Udmai, you can also touch and move and carry demai, which is produce which one buys from an Amhaaretz. An Amhaaretz is somebody who is ignorant of many laws, and therefore if you buy produce from him, you cannot trust the fact that he has separated tithes. However, you don't know if he separated tithes, so that food is in a state of doubt as to whether the tithes were separated, and with Rabbonon one has to separate tithes again. However, poor people are allowed to eat demai. They were not included in this decree, and therefore that means that demai is really fitting to be eaten on Shabbos, and therefore you can move it. Or Maiserishan. Maiserishan is the gift which a farmer gives to a levy from his produce, and once the levy receives the Maiserishan, he has to separate Trumas Maiser, which is a tenth of the Maiserishan, and he gives that to a Kohen. Now, before the Levi is separated the Trumas Maiser, he is not allowed to eat the Maiserishan. So the Mishnah says, Maiserishan shan nitla trumasai, Maiserishan whose Trumas Maiser had been separated, so that is fitting to be eaten, and therefore it can be moved on Shabbos, or Maiserishani. And Maiserishani, which is a tenth of one's produce, which he separates and brings up to Yerushalayim and eats over there. So if you are not in Yerushalayim, then this food cannot be eaten. However, once one separates Maiserishani, he is allowed to redeem that on Tamani, bring up the money to Yerushalayim, and then spend the money on produce in Yerushalayim and eat it over there. Once he has redeemed the Maiserishani on Tamani, the original Maiserishani produce now becomes like regular produce which can be eaten anywhere. So Maiserishani, which one has redeemed, even if there was some problem with his redemption, for example, in general, when one does redeem the produce onto money, he has to add on some of the value. He has to add on another fifth of the value of the produce, so he'll end up taking up more money to Yerushalayim. But the Mishnah is telling us here that even if he didn't add that fifth, he just redeemed it onto the same value of money, even then the redemption is still valid, and therefore this produce can be eaten even outside of Yerushalayim, and as such it is not mukta, and you can move it on Shabbos. The hektish. Hektish refers to produce or any property, really. But in this context, it refers to produce which was designated to the Beis HaMikdosh. So once it's designated to the Beis HaMikdosh, it is forbidden to even benefit from it. But if you redeem that onto money, then once again, that produce becomes permitted. So Shaniftu, once they were redeemed, either the Maiseshani or the Hektish, then they are no longer Mukta, and they can be moved, even if they are heavy, on Shabbos. The Hatrumus Hayovesh, this is a type of very bitter plant, a bitter vegetable, but it is still fit for, to be eaten. Although most people wouldn't eat it, because it is food for poor people who would eat it, it is not considered mukta, and therefore one can clear room of it on Shabbos. On the other hand, says the Mishnah, one is not allowed to move tevel on Shabbos. Tevel refers to produce which has definitely not been tithed. And since it's forbidden to tie something on Shabbos, there's no way that that can be eaten on Shabbos, and therefore it is forbidden and mukta. Even if it's not heavy, it's mukta, so you can't move it at all. 
You also can't move my Sarishan, whose Trimus Maisa had not been separated. And therefore the Levi is not allowed to eat it yet. My Sashen, your Hekdash, which had not yet been redeemed on Tamani. So if, let's say, you're not inside of Yerushalayim, so you cannot eat that My Sashenyi. And Hekdash, wherever you are, you can't benefit from it. And therefore it's considered Muktza on Shabbos. You can't move luf, which is a type of onion, or mustard, and we're discussing onion, which is raw, so it can't yet be eaten. And we're talking about mustard, which is not fit to be eaten by human beings, and therefore it is mukta on Shabbos. Now, and Shimming Gamliel allows one to move luf, these onions, because it is food for ravens. So that means that you have got a use for them on Shabbos, and even if you don't actually own ravens, very interestingly, since we have a rule which you came across earlier on in the Masechta, that Kol Yisrael b'nei Malachim heim, that the entire Jewish people are considered to be princes, and therefore any halacha which applies to princes and wealthy people also applies to every Jew. So since wealthy people and princes do own ravens, they do own these nice birds, so it's not muksa for them, so the same applies for every Jew, and therefore since the onions are useful for somebody who owns ravens, onions are not mukta on Shabbos. Mishnah Beis, the discussion of mukta continues, and Mishnah tells us that Chavile Kash... Bundles of straw, vachavile eitzim, bundles of twigs, vachavile zrodim, and bundles of soft branches, and we're discussing things which are edible for animals. However, all of these things are generally used for firewood to fuel a fire, that's the regular use. And therefore, as we're going to see, if you don't have explicit intention before Shabbos comes in to use it for a permitted use, then we consider it as if it's set aside for the mukta use of using to fuel a fire, and therefore you would not be able to move it on Shabbos. However, if he did set them aside before Shabbos for food for animals, so he had that intention before Shabbos came in, then one may move them on Shabbos because they are not considered lav. But if not, then they're considered set aside for the forbidden use of making a fire. And therefore, under the rule of Aisan, one is not allowed to move it. Now, there is a debate as to whether one is allowed to move a non-Mukta item for the sake of a Mukta item. And we're going to understand this Mishnah simply that it goes according to the opinion that it is permitted, and therefore, one is allowed to turn a basket upside down in front of chicks, so that they can go up and down on the basket, for example, to get to their nest if it's high up or something. And even though in general animals are considered mukta, over here you're not moving the animals themselves, you're moving something else for the sake of the animals, and that is permitted. And the truth is, there's another problem over here. Because we learnt earlier on in the Masechta about the concept of mevatel klimehechonoi, which is when one causes an item to become mukta on Shabbos. Now one way to make an item mukta is to cause a mukta item to go onto that item. Because a base for a mukta item also becomes mukta. So surely this is considered to be bitul klimehechanoi. You're making the basket a base for the mukta animal. So surely the basket should become mukta. The answer is, it's not a problem. Since the chicks don't actually rest on this basket properly. They just use it to sort of hoist themselves up. And they hop on it for a moment, but they don't actually rest on there. And therefore the basket will not become mukta. And so there is no issue of mevatel klimehechanoi. Alright, continues the mission at Tanagunas a chicken which runs away and the owner wants to get the chicken to return to its place. So in general, it's forbidden to move mukta, even if you don't just pick it up, even if you just push mukta along, that's also forbidden. However, in this case, as the Mishnah, one can push the chicken back until it enters where it lives, as long as he doesn't actually hold on to its wings. The reason why he can't hold on to the wings is because chickens often jump up, 
And if you're holding onto the wings, then as soon as the chicken jumps, you'll actually be carrying the chicken. So that the Rabbonon did not permit. However, they did permit you to push the chicken in order to avoid a situation in which the chicken would be having pain. If it wanders off, if it gets lost, that could lead to harm of the animal. And therefore, there is a leniency over here with regards to Muktza. Now, the Mishnah continues, One is allowed to hold on to calves and young horses to make them walk. So whereas the chicken, you can't actually hold on to it, you can only push it because it might jump up and you'll end up carrying it. When it comes to these animals, it's not going to jump up and you're not going to carry it. That's practically impossible. And therefore, you can really hold on to them and push them along. Even in a public domain, some versions of the Mishnah do not include these words. Continues the Mishnah, A woman is allowed to hold on to her child and make him walk. And this is even though she might come to carry the child, we don't have that concern, since anyway, even if she does carry the child, that's only forbidden midrabanon. Because midrabanon, we have a law that hachai nusis atzmai, an alive person really carries himself. So it's not considered to be that she's carrying him. So midrabanon, even if she does come to carry him, that's not a problem, and therefore she can push him along, and even hold on to him as long as she does not actually carry him, because that is still forbidden midrabanon. Omre bihuda emosai. Rehuda now qualifies the previous statement and explains that when is that the case that the woman is allowed to do that? That's only in a time and a situation where the child is raising one foot and putting down the other. So the child is really walking himself, perhaps with difficulty, but he can still pretty much walk. However, if the child was dragging his feet along because the child is too young to walk, in that case, also, it's forbidden to the, for the mother to help the child walk along, since if she does end up carrying the child, that would actually be forbidden with Arisa, because the law of Hachai Nosis Atzma, that an alive person is as if it's carrying himself, that doesn't apply to such a young child, since he is not able to carry himself. So since she might come to violate the Torah prohibition of carrying him in a public domain, she cannot even help him walk in that manner.